Hello and welcome to the Chase Family Church Podcast. Today we have Maria speaking on Renew Your Mind. Right, if anybody has been asked to do something by Martin and they said no because they were too scared, I'm terrified right now, right? You've got no excuse. I felt physically sick this morning. <laughs> and two days ago I was going to phone Martin and say I can't do it. <laughs> so yeah, no excuses, right? Just because you feel like a fish out of water doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing it. Um, Right. So I had so much to share that it took me ages to put this together. It's taken me weeks to put it together. And there's not a lot here, but just there was so many things that I wanted to share. Um, One of them was um, about our thinking and how our thinking needs to change. Because a while ago, a few years ago, I was praying to the Lord and I was saying to him how I wanted to walk with him. And I had been reading about Abraham and Moses and seeing what they were like and how they walked with God. And I was saying, Lord, I want to walk with you like that. And then the Lord said to me, you can't walk with me like that. Because like, well, one day I was out for a walk with my mum, walking the dog, and I got a stone in my shoe. And I had to make my mum stop so I could take the stone out of my shoe. And then again, five minutes later, another stone in my shoe. Mum, can you just hug? She's like twice my age and I couldn't keep up with her because I kept getting stones in my shoes. And the Lord said to me that day, you've got stones in your shoes. And I'm like, I know. I keep having to stop to take them out. And he said, no, you've got stones in your shoes. That's why you can't walk with me. You've got wrong thinking. You've got wrong thinking and because of your wrong thinking, you can't do the things that I want you to do. And so I began, um, this is like about three years ago, began to look at my thinking and asking the Lord to change my thinking on certain things. And one of them was healing, okay? Healing was a really big issue because I myself needed healing and still do for some things. Um, and some things I've been healed from, um, but they didn't come easily. I had to fight for that healing. Um, it didn't happen immediately. And the Lord had to speak to me about his view on healing. And one of the things he told me to do was to read the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then tell me, read it again, read it again. Look for something that would tell you that I don't want to heal you. Try and find something in that. And for the life of me, I read it, like I read the Gospels three times every month through um, for two years. And I can't find anything that would tell me that God does not want to heal me. Because that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus did never said to anyone, go away. God gave you that to teach you something. He never said that. He healed every single person that came to him. And so that was one of the areas that the Lord spoke to me about and still is speaking to me. But he, I found this um, thing that someone's written, right? They wrote, thoughts prompt us, emotions motivate us, and our ge- will generates our behavior. So literally everything we do starts with a thought, If you're in hospital and you've had a brain injury and they classify you as brain dead, meaning you will never move again, you will never speak again, you will never breathe again on your own, they will turn the machine off because they classify you as never being able to do anything because your mind is what tells your body what to do. Your spirit might be alive, but without your mind, your body will not do anything. You won't say anything. You will never speak again. So whatever you say starts with your thought. So the Lord taught me, showed me, you have to change your thinking. In uh, Proverbs 15.7, he says, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not. Okay, 
that word heart in that specific reference is referring to the mind. Because the heart, when it's, the Bible talks about the heart, sometimes it's talking about the core of your being, sometimes it's talking about your actual physical heart, and sometimes it's talking about your, the core of your belief system. Um, and then in Matthew, he calls the Pharisees a, a brood of vipers. <clears throat> and he says that out of the abundance of their heart, they speak. Okay, So whatever's coming out of your mouth is in your belief system. It's in, the, in your heart. It's part of who you are. It's part of the core of your being. So we need to change what we say. But before we do that, we need to change what we think. Okay, uh, <coughs> James 3, 2 to 5 says that we can control our whole body if we can just control our mouth. Okay, If you can control what you say, then you can control your life and the direction it's going to take. Because <coughs> what you say depicts what you think, and what you think is going to send you in the direction that you're going to go in. So if Martin says, come and preach here on a Sunday morning, your thinking's going to go, I've never done that in my life. What am I going to talk about? It's not my calling. And all these things will come to your head and you won't do it. So don't think about it. Just say yes. <laughs> okay? <laughs> don't allow the devil to get in. <laughs> oh, okay, so in Ephesians 4.23, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay, and that word mind... If I say it right, no. Is it no? Right? Okay, there you go. Uh, it's, it's talking about, and I, I get this from Vines, okay? Vines Expository Dictionary. It says, it denotes, okay, the seat of reflective consciousness, comprising of the faculties of the perception and understanding and of those feelings and judging and determining, okay? So basically... Be renewed in your thinking, okay, the way you're thinking. And it also says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we are to have the mind of the Lord, okay, the mind of Christ. It says we have the mind of Christ. And if you read the Gospels and you see the way Jesus lived and the things that he did and you compare it to yourself and the way you walk, I'm pretty sure, because I know I am, I am not walking like that. I am not walking in everything that he walked in. And I should be. I should be walking in that because we're to have his same thinking. He moved with compassion. When he saw someone who needed healing, he was moved with compassion. It was compassion that made him do it. Like when the widow, he saw the widow um, about to bury her only son. And he, no one asked him to, actually, which is really weird. No one said, come, come and heal this boy. He just saw them and went over there and raised him from the said he felt he was compassionate towards that woman and he raised him from the dead and then it says he presented him to his mother he then went and took him to his mum and said here's your son back wasn't even asked to do it okay do we do things like that are we moved with compassion like that that's that was jesus thinking that's the way he was thinking colossians 3 1 to 2 set your mind on things above, it made me think of that saying that Christians sometimes say, like, you're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. And I thought, scratch that, because that's going the opposite way to this. This is telling you that you should be more heavenly-minded than you are earthly-minded. Um, one of the things God 
said to me was, who are you in the flesh? Okay, what's your name? So have a think right now. What's your name? Where do you work? Where do you live? Uh, what's your favourite food? Who's your family? But what's your mum like? What's your dad like? Okay, that's you in the flesh, he said to me. But who are you in the spirit? Because if you're going to walk in the spirit, you need to know who you are. Okay? There are some old-time preachers that you read about. And when they walked in a room, if there was a demoniac in that room, if there was someone who was demonized, they would try to climb through the walls to get out of the room. Why? Why is it that when I, don't, I walk in a room, that doesn't happen? Why? Because he knew who he was in Christ. He knew that if there was a demon there, out you go. And the demon knew it. The, demon, the demons know. They know where you stand with God. They knew who Jesus was. But it says that Jesus, there was nothing about him that you would look at him and go, wow. He looked like any other man. That's what it says in the Bible. I'm paraphrasing it. But it said he just looked like a normal person. But whenever a demoniac saw him, a demon-possessed person, they knew who he was straight away. What were they seeing that we didn't see, that other people didn't see? What could they see? They live in the other realm. They see in the spirit. I've listened to quite a few preachers online. This one guy, uh, Kevin Zajai, who's quite popular, um, he died on the operating table in the dentist, okay? And Jesus was with him. Initially, he didn't see Jesus, but he saw himself lying on the bed. And he was looking at himself thinking, I'm dead, guys. <laughs> Revive me. And he was trying to tell the doctors that he was dead, but no one would listen to him. And then he sees himself and he says, wow, I look amazing. Because he then saw himself in the spirit, what he looks like in the spirit, his body on that slab. And then he heard a voice behind him say, you look like that to me all the time. And he turns around, it was Jesus. Okay, because Jesus sees you as you are in the spirit. And the demons saw <coughs> Jesus in the spirit. They could see the spirit, spirit realm. So when we don't know who we are, the demons know we don't know who we are. If we know our authority in Christ, they become frightened. If we all walked in that authority, the devil would be terrified and he'd leave because he knows he hasn't got a chance. He's got no chance because he's been crushed. Jesus crushed him. Okay, so God is setting you up to win, right? He never sets you up to lose. If you're losing, it's not God, okay? God doesn't set you up to lose. He sets you up to win. That's why when things go wrong for us, we can't handle it. It cracks us up. I can't take it. If, if, I, if something goes wrong, I feel really bad and I feel like it shouldn't have happened because initially when he made Adam and Eve, he made them to dominate everything. He made them to win. He made them like that and he made us like that. So when we lose, it's really difficult for us to accept it. But then we have to remember that in all that, we're more than a conqueror. And that's our attitude. Okay, so Colossians 1.21. It says you were once enemies in your mind. It's possible to be an enemy in your mind and be a follower of Christ. Okay, And the reason I say that is because Peter was rebuked by Jesus when he said, don't go 
you're not going to get crucified. And Jesus told him off and said, you're not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of earth. Okay? And he was following Jesus when he did that. So it's possible for us as believers now to have a wrong thinking and, and still be following Jesus. Okay? Just one thing, okay? One thing, because uh, it's really hard to be, to be corrected, okay? I'm pr- please, I'm not correcting anyone, but if you hear something that's correcting you, it's not me. But God corrected me in something, and I found it really hard to accept it. And he corrects me all the time, okay? But this one time, I found it difficult, because this one thing I'd done my whole life. My whole life, I'd prayed to angels, okay? And I, I now know why, but... At the time, I didn't know why. And I did it, and I didn't think anything of it, because I was taught to do that. So Suze and Aidan <laughs> at the forge said, you're not supposed to pray to angels. And I was like, yeah, really? Who says that? He said, the Bible. I was like, does it? No, it don't. And I, I nearly started arguing with them, okay? And I, thought, I went away that, that night, and I thought, is it true? Am I not supposed to pray to angels? And I looked it up. Googled it, looked it up. Yeah, you're not supposed to pray to angels. And I thought, well, why am I doing it? Where did I get it from? So I asked the Lord, where did I get this from? And when I was a little child, my mum taught me a prayer. And the prayer was praying, angels, come and look after me. Okay? Praying directly to the angels. And I thought, oh, man, I have to, like, repent of this now. I can't do that anymore because now I know that's wrong. So if you hear something that you've done your whole life, okay, and you're now thinking, this doesn't sound right to me anymore, okay, because you hear something here, please go away and look it up, look into it. Don't, don't let it slip by, because it's just the Lord putting you straight. And it's painful, but never mind. Um, <laughs> it's hard to swallow that one. Um, <laughs> so Colossians 3.10, okay, it says, um, that we are to put on the new man, okay, who is renewed in knowledge. And that word put on means to put it on like a cloak, like clothing. You wear it, okay? It becomes who people see. They're going to see that. But it comes by renewing your knowledge. Uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, okay, Jesus was changed um, before uh, Peter, James, and John. Okay, he took them with him up to the mountain, and he says he was transfigured. The word there is, is a Greek word, metamorphothi. Okay, and you might recognise metamorpho. Okay, which is where we get metamorphosis from. Um, and in Matthew, it says his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And then it says um, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. Okay? And then in uh, Romans 12.2, Paul uses the same word to say that we are to be renewed in the mind. And it's the same word that they translate as transfigured. But in Paul's writing, they say transformed. But it's the same word. Okay, and Jesus, when he was transformed, he stood out so, he changed so much that the disciples were frightened. It scared them. 
and they didn't quite know what to do. And sometimes we, as believers, want to kind of blend in because we think if we blend in and, ex- and they accept us, then we'll be able to talk to them about Jesus. But we're not meant to do that. We're meant to stick out. And if you stick out and you're not like them and they don't like it and they don't want to see you, that's fine. Some won't want to see you anymore. Some will want to follow you. And some will want to come back to you uh, when they need the Lord and they realise they need the Lord. But we're meant to stick out. We're not meant to blend in. We're meant to be different. The Bible says we're a peculiar people. We're meant to be different. We're not meant to be the same as everyone else. Um, again, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it's the same word, transformed. And it says, um, we are being transformed into the same image. It means Jesus, that word image is talking about Jesus' state of mind. We're being transformed into his same image from glory to glory. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. When you're saved, when you become a believer initially and you're saved, your spirit is completely free and whole and connected to God. But your mind is not renewed. It's not yet in that position. And that's why we fall and we make mistakes and we can't get out of that sin or this sin because our thinking hasn't changed. But it doesn't mean you're not saved. Your spirit is saved, but your mind needs to be renewed. And it's really important that we pursue it that we don't just say, well, I'm saved, I'm okay, Jack. Because uh, the Lord talked to me about the parable of the talents. Okay, I'm jumping ahead right now. Okay, let's not jump ahead, let's not jump ahead, right? So, uh, okay, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world, okay? That's what it says in the Bible, yeah? Sanctify us, sanctify them by your truth, okay? John 17, sanctify them by your truth. The word sanctify means to purify internally by reformation of the soul, the psyche, which is your mind, your thinking. And then it says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So by the word, reading your Bible, okay, which is something that we find really hard to do. I don't know about you, but I used to struggle really badly. I used to fall asleep. I used to try and read my Bible and fall asleep. I used to think, gosh, this is so boring. I'm not getting anything out of this. It's so boring. It took me ages. And I had to pray and say, Lord, I can't read the Bible. It's boring. And then he started to talk to me about it and show me things. And then it suddenly became really interesting. So if you're finding it boring, just (laughs) ask the Lord. Pray to the Lord and he'll make it interesting. Uh, Okay, so some of the lies, okay. Some of the lies of the enemy are uh, you're going to lose, okay. You're going to lose. You're not going to win in this situation. You might be in a really bad situation. You might know someone that's in a really bad situation, okay, and it's getting you down, yeah? And when you get down, it will affect your prayer life. It will affect your prayer life because you will no longer see yourself as the winner in that situation. But that's not true, okay, because uh, John 16, 33 says, in this world you'll have tribulation, but... Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Okay, so the fact that Jesus overcame the world means that you overcome the world because he lives in you. Okay, you cannot lose. He overcame every situation. 
every single situation you find yourself in, doesn't matter how bad it is, okay, and I've been in some bad situations, okay, I can't, I'm not saying that not knowing what it's like to be in it, because I've been in it many times. Um, be more, you're more than an overcomer. Your attitude needs to show that, though. You need to walk in that, because if you start walking around saying, this is really bad, I cannot see a way out, oh, gosh, this is terrible, look what's happened now, and if you start talking like that, the angels are listening. The angels are listening. The demons are listening. God listens. Everyone listens, okay? And it makes a difference. What you say makes a difference. We have to remember that when God made the world, he made it from nothing. He said it and it happened. And he made you in his image. So when you say something, it has an effect. It has an effect not just in the, in the flesh world, it has an effect in the spirit realm as well. When my son was really little, he was such a handful. I used to tell him he was naughty all the time. I'd say, don't do that, it's naughty. Don't do that, it's naughty. <laughs> don't be naughty. And then the, I took him to nursery, and the nursery woman goes to me, do you tell him he's naughty? And I was like, yeah. And she went, don't say it anymore. I said, why? And she goes, because I said to him, you're a good boy. And he went, no, I'm naughty. And I went, oh, <laughs> oh no, what have I done? So, so she said, yeah, don't say it anymore. So anyway, I stopped saying it to him, thank God. He was only little, we don't remember it. And I told everyone around me as well, I said, don't call him naughty anymore, because, you know, I told them what happened. But what we say has an effect. It doesn't just have an effect in the flesh realm, it has an effect in the spirit realm too, where you can't see it, it has an effect. If the enemy's hearing you say, agree with him, you're agreeing with him. When you say this is a hopeless situation, you're agreeing with the enemy. Like Eve agreed with the enemy, okay? She, he went to Eve and he said, did God say that? Is that true? Is God's word true? What he said? No, it's not. And then he twisted it. This is what's going to happen. And she accepted what he said. She accepted the devil's word above God's word. God says you're more than an overcomer, okay? You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. We need to go around saying that, actually saying it, and not saying the negative. Don't say the negative. Don't accept, don't accept the enemy over your life. Because I believe that we accept his, his design for us. He has, he has an agenda. He has an agenda with everybody. He wants you to be ineffective. He does not want you to walk in what God has for you. And he can't take your salvation away. He can't do that. But he can make you ineffective because of the way you're thinking. If he can get into your mind, he can stop you going forward with God. He can stop you from coming up here and preaching. He can stop you from giving a word of knowledge. He can stop you from prophesying. He can stop you from laying hands on someone so they'd be healed. If he can say to you, God ain't going to turn up, you're going to say something wrong. Now you're not hearing God properly. If he can make you think God's not going to turn up, you're not going to lay hands on anyone to get healed. Because you're going to think, well, what if they don't get healed? First thing that comes to my mind when I go to pray for someone, that is the first thing that comes into my head. I don't know about you. But I think to myself, gosh... going to be bad, isn't it? Especially if they're dying, if it's something, you know, 
that's terminal, I'll feel really bad if they don't get healed. But that stops me from doing that. Okay, it, and it all, it's in the head, it's in your mind. Okay, so the scripture about you're more than a conqueror, Romans 8.37, okay, Paul is right in that. And he's been through so much. He, he had a lot of um, opposition. He'd been beaten, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd had everything thrown at him. And yet he says, yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors. He didn't care that he got shipwrecked. He knew he was okay. He knew he was going to be okay. He didn't let that upset him. He didn't get worried. Everyone on the ship was like crying. We're going to die. And Paul's going, no, we're not. Why? Because he knew in his head that he wasn't going to die. He knew. He had it in his mind. Okay? And it affected what he said. And he, can't, he managed to calm them all down. They listened to him. But he, in his thinking, knew that he wasn't going to die. And he says, we are more than conquerors in all of these situations. When you walk in a room, okay, you have all of heaven with you. Because, I'm going forwards a bit, where are we? Because the Bible says you're the temple, okay? It says, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, yeah? It says... Jesus Christ is in you. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Jesus Christ is in you. Okay? Galatians 2, 20, Christ lives in me. 2 Corinthians 6, 16, you are the temple of the living God. Yeah? 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 17, God's spirit dwells in you. You are God's temple. Goes on, verse 19, hope. The Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. You're God's building. Ephesians 4, 6. God, the Father of all, is in you all. Okay? The power of God is in you. Okay? So if you think of yourself like that, if if you're thinking of yourself, well, I'm just Maria, teaching assistant in a primary school, I live in Chesham, okay? You're going to lose. You can't think of yourself like that. You have to think of yourself as, I, am, I have God in me. I have Jesus in me. I have the Holy Spirit in me, okay? I am more than a conqueror. In all these things, in all my tribulations, I am more than a conqueror. There was, I heard some preachers preaching on YouTube, and he said... Uh, one of his congregation came to him and she suffers from depression. And she was always really down and everything she said was really down and she was really depressed. And he didn't know what to do. And God said to him, give us some scriptures. So he gave us some positive scriptures about herself. And he said, go away and say these to yourself every day. So she did. And she said, when she came back, she was a changed woman. She was no longer depressed. So be careful what you feed yourself, what you feed yourself, what you say to yourself, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, I'm not clever enough. God doesn't want the clever one, trust me. He wants the one that isn't clever. He wants the the silly things of this world to put the wise to shame, okay? It doesn't matter, I'm I'm not clever enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not, I haven't got this, I haven't got that. You know, what have I got to offer? Just yourself, he just wants you. 
okay? Don't think of yourself like that. Stop saying negatives to yourself. That was one of the other things that God said to me. Don't talk to yourself negatively. Okay. You also have um, the kingdom of God within you. Okay. That word kingdom, I can't pronounce it. I've got it here in Greek, but I'm not going to attempt to say it. (laughs) It's talking about not necessarily, you know, a a throne and some land, okay? It's talking about the royal power and kingship and the dominion and rule of a kingdom. You have that within you, okay? So it says in Luke 12, 31 to 32, Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God first and all these things will be added to you. In other words, seek the rule and power and the kingship and the dominion that I've given you, okay? Because he gave us that. He gave you the dominion over the enemy and everything of the enemy. The enemy has lost. He's lost. Okay? It says, he says, do not fear. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Okay? He wants you to have it. So don't sit there and say, that's not for me. Okay? I'm not going to cast out demons. I'm not going to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. It is for you. It's for everybody. It's for all who believe. All who believe. And then he says, okay, to someone, the kingdom of God is within you. Because he's saying, how are we going to know where the kingdom comes? And Jesus says, you're not going to see it come from here or from there. It's inside of you. You've got it. You've already got it. When we walk in a room, the whole of heaven walks in the room with you. Don't ever walk into a room and think they've got one up on you. They haven't. The enemy has not got one up on you ever, 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 ever. He has been crushed. Crushed. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, All of the promises of God in him are yes and amen. Okay? And that's to the glory of God through us. Every single promise of the Bible you can take it for yourself, okay? Because now you're a child of Abraham because you've been grafted in. So all the blessings that came for Abraham are on you. It says you're no longer under the curse because Jesus took the curse. God doesn't want to punish you. If you think, I deserve this, this is my comeuppance because I did that or I didn't do this, that's not true because Jesus told the disciples off for that, that way of thinking. When they went to a village and they said, shall we call down fire from heaven to devour them? And he said, you don't know what spirit you're of. What are you saying? I didn't come to kill people. I came to save them. But yet in the Old Testament, that would have been okay. Why? Because that was Old Covenant. Now we're in the New Covenant. We're not living on that anymore. We're living in grace. We're not under the curse anymore. We're not going to get beaten up by God we'll beat ourselves up we'll let the enemy do it God doesn't want to beat you up God doesn't want to punish you he wants you to walk in the kingdom things he wants you to bring heaven to earth he wants you to walk in everything that he's got for you in Joshua 1.8 he's told to meditate on the word of God day and night Okay, that word meditate 
means to moan, growl, utter, muse, mutter, meditate, devise, plot and speak. It means to say it. Say it out loud. Okay? Declare things over yourself. Every day, I, I got to the point after hearing many preachers, I thought, I'm going to declare good things over myself. I don't do that. I'm going to declare every day that my day is going to be a good day. And every day I say, thank you. I start my day by saying, thank you, Lord. I am your child. I'm grafted in. I'm now your child. I am no longer under the curse. I'm now under the blessing. Everything I do prospers. And I tell you what, things changed. I, I have favour. I'm under your favour. You give me favour, Lord. Favour comes to me in my workplace. And favour came to me in my workplace. It did. I got things given to me I didn't even ask for. I got a rise. I didn't ask for it. I got a better position. I didn't ask for it. I declared it. I declared it in the spirit. And trust me, it happens. Declare good things over yourself. Declare good things over other people. Don't say negative things over other people. Say good things about them. You will never find a Jewish mother saying anything bad about her children. She will never say a negative word over her child because she knows the power of the word, the spoken word. They'll never say anything bad about their kids, even if they are naughty. <laughs> Unlike me. <laughs> okay. Uh, where am I? Romans 4.17 says, okay, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And that's the basis for declaration, okay? When you declare something, you're just doing what God does, okay? It's not something that is new. He did this in the beginning. He made the world like that. He made everything like that. And he still does it now. He, when he sees you, he sees you as you are in your completeness and your wholeness without all the bad bits, okay? We see ourselves now like this. God is a... We are linear thinkers, okay? We think this is the beginning, this is where I was born, now it's 20 years later, this is where I am, 50 years later, there I'm there, 80 years later, I'm here, okay? God gave you a promise when you were 20 and now you're 60 and you haven't seen that promise happen. So you're now you're thinking, I'm miles away from it. I'm so far away from it. But God doesn't think like that. God thinks in a um, cyclical way, okay? God thinks in a cyclical way and he will see it as now you're nearly there, okay? Because it might be a year later that you get it. He doesn't see that you've gone so far from it. So he sees it as you're closer to it. So if you've got a promise that God gave you and you're thinking, that was ages ago, it's never going to happen, right? That's not true because you're closer to it now than you were when he gave it to you. You're not further from it, you're closer to it. Do you see how what I'm saying? It's really difficult to get that, but yeah. God doesn't think like that. Um, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We know that one, don't we? Uh, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Always say something good. 
Don't return evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Don't speak a negative. On the contrary, blessing, blessing 1 Peter, that's in 1 Peter 3.9. Blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. You speak a blessing, you inherit a blessing. You reap what you sow. If you start to, to say bad things about someone, you're going to reap that. If you speak good things, you'll reap good things from it. Jesus cursed the fig tree. <coughs> he didn't get glyphosate and spray it, okay? He did not get a weed killer. He said it. He just said it. May no one ever eat from you ever again. And it died, okay? That's the power of the spoken word, <laughs> okay? Um, I, have I gone over time? Okay. Okay. Psalm 103.20 says, uh, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Okay? The voice of his word. So his word is given voice by us saying it. Yeah? It's what, when we say it, angels say, Oh, that's the Lord's word. We're going to go and, and do it. Okay, some of the lies of the enemy, okay? God doesn't speak to me like he speaks to other people, okay? He just doesn't. That's not true. That's such a lie, okay? Because in Isaiah 54, 13, it says, all your children, all your children will be taught by God, all of them. That's talking about the promise of the Messiah coming and the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Okay, in Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34, it says, no more shall every man teach his neighbor, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Okay? Know him in a very intimate way. Yeah? In Hebrews 8, 10 to 11, it says, None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. John 6, 45, and they shall all be taught by God. God will speak to you just as much as he speaks to anyone else. It's a lie of the enemy that says to you, you can't hear him. That's not true. And you can look it up, look up the scriptures that tell you that. Google it, Google it, and it will give you all scriptures that tell you that God does talk to everybody, everyone. He will teach everyone. Another one, will God let you down? God's going to let me down. He's not going to turn up. He's not going to be there for me. Okay. I'm kind of on my own in this thing. It's just me and, the, me and whoever's going on. Okay. That's not true because in 1 Corinthians it says we're God's fellow workers, that he works with us. Okay. That word fellow workers, he's working with us. Mark 16, the Lord working with them okay he works with them it says luke 12 your father's good pleasure is to give you the kingdom he's not going to let you down it's what he wants he wants you to be successful he's not willing that any should perish he's not going to leave you he's never he says never never in deuteronomy 31 6 he will not leave you and he will not forsake you and the word forsake means to li literally leave you hanging dry that you're on your own. He will never do that. 
It says he will never do that. So for us to think that he, will never tur- he won't turn up in this situation or in that situation is not true. He's working. Even though you can't see it, and even though the enemy seems to be winning in all of it, he's lost. He's lost. It's not true. It's not true. Don't accept it. It's not true. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us in Romans 8.31? It says in Matthew 28.20, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you, never forsake you. Another lie is, I will never change. (coughs) I'm stuck like this. I cannot get over this hurdle. I will never change. Not true. That's a lie. Philippians 1.6, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Say it to yourself every day. Don't allow the enemy to make you think you're stuck in it. You're going to stay there. You're not. It's not true. It's a lie. It's what he does. It's the only thing he can do to you. The only thing he can do to you is lie. He can lie to you, and you can either say yes to his lie, or you can reject it and say, no, that's not true, and give him him the word. Give him the word every day. (laughs) Say that to you. Say that to him every day. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. He has become a, a good work in me is going to complete it. That's what God says in his word. That's the truth. It says in Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, I will put a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Say that. When, you, when you're thinking... I can't do this, I can't change. Say that to yourself, because that's what God says. That's what he says to you about you changing. I'm going to change you. I'm going to put my spirit in you, and you will change, and you will keep my judgments. And it says we're being conformed to the image of his son. I am being conformed to the image of his son. Tell that to yourself every day. Say it to yourself every day. When I had, I had a partial slip disc and it was so painful and at the time I was um I was doing an hour's cleaning after school and when I had to bend down to clean something I couldn't bend down like that I had to bend my knees and keep my back straight and it was so difficult and the doc I went to the doctor and the doctor said well you can either go for physio to Chase Farm Hospital and I thought oh that's miles away I've got to pick the kids up at that time of day can't do that he goes, well, you can have an operation. And I was like, no, I'm not having an operation. I ain't got time. Okay? At the time, my kids were a bit younger. They were at school still, and they needed me. I was doing Alpha here, Freedom in Christ. I was busy. I was working. I had a job full time. I ain't got time for an operation. So I thought, no, man, God's going to heal me. He's going to heal me. And every day, I said it to myself, every day, because I couldn't forget have other things wrong with me, right? But I forget to declare it because they're not, they don't hurt me enough to remind me to do it, okay? But this, I couldn't bend down to wash my face in the morning. So every time I went to wash my face in the morning, I remembered, now I'm declaring, I'm healed in Jesus' name. And I did it for months, months, until one morning I bent down, I heard a really loud crack and I thought, what have I done now? <laughs> don't get up, <laughs> And I thought, I've got up really slowly, and I, oh, oh, there's no pain. Bent down. I'm like, 
oh God, there's no pain. There's no, and I've been declaring it for months. Now, I could have given up after a week. I could have said, fine, I'll go and have the op or I'll go do the physio. But I just thought, I'm having it. My God can heal me. I know he can. He healed everyone who came to him. No. And I was just adamant that I was going to get healed. I thought, if you do it, Lord, it's going to be perfect. If they do it, they're going to bodge it, right? <laughs> I want you to do it. <laughs> the master physician. <laughs> so, you know, declare it, declare it, declare it. Just keep declaring it, however long it takes. Yeah, and God, God doesn't change, right? He hasn't changed. He's the same now as he was then, all right? So this is the other thing I had a problem with healing. I had such a problem with it. Because I looked, I read the, the Gospels, and I thought, everyone who came to you got healed. What's going on? Why is it when we pray for people, they don't get healed? What is going on? What's wrong? There's something wrong. And I know that it's not God. I know God still, he ain't changed. He's the same. And the Lord said to me, it's your thinking. You have to change the way you think. I've heard people say things like, um, God gave me this um, because he's trying to teach me something. God gave me this because he wants me to have some time to myself. So... I can't walk right now because God wants me to give me some time to myself. And I, when I hear things like that, I don't know if it's because of what I'm feeding myself, but I get like knots in my stomach, like someone's punched me in the stomach when I hear someone say something like that because I don't believe that that's what God is doing. That's not. He said to the Pharisees when they said, you, you're casting out demons by the spirit of Beelzebub. By the ruler of the demons, you cast out demons. And he said to them, how can a kingdom work against itself? If Satan's casting out Satan, how's he going to have a kingdom? And then God said to me, it's the same for me. If I'm making people sick, then what's, I'm working against myself. He doesn't want to make people sick. He wants to heal them. And it's seriously... I, I, we need to, the church, if you look around, the church is waking up. You're seeing more and more people teaching believers that this is what they can do. This is what you can do. This is what God wants. This is for everybody. The commission was for everybody. I'm just going to read. The commission. Nice. Because it says, right, Matthew 28, at the end of Matthew 28, it says, Go, therefore, Teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you, he said to the disciples. So what did he tell the disciples to do? He told them to go and preach the gospel and heal the sick. That was their commission. Take the kingdom out now. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is freedom. It's freedom, it's healing, it's restoration, it's wholeness, it's whole body, soul, and spirit. That word sozo is where we use it in salvation. It's talking about everything. It's used when he said to that woman, Your faith has made you whole. It's sozo that's used there. That salvation is all of you. He doesn't leave your body behind. Your body goes with you into salvation. He wants you to live life and live it to the full. And if you're sick, you can't. 
when I was, I had that slip disc, there were so many things I couldn't do. I couldn't live my life to the full. It was impossible. It was painful. The thing uh, with, um, I heard someone preaching, I can't remember his name now, about the thorn in the side of Paul, okay? And a lot of people think that it was because he had something wrong with him physically. And he shows two scriptures in the Old Testament where that saying is used, the thorn in the side. And both times it's used for persecution, people. It's talking about people being persecuted. It's never used for an illness. Okay, And Paul was a master at the Old Testament, a master. That's why he had that thorn in his side. <laughs> to stop him from becoming big-headed, because he knew a lot. And do you think that he said, I've got a thorn in my side, not knowing that what it was used for in the past, in the Old Testament, he knew exactly what he was saying, and it wasn't because he was sick. He was persecuted badly wherever he went. Okay, and I don't believe that he was sick. I don't. Anyway, I haven't got the scriptures, because I didn't bring it with me, but... I'm going to stop there because I've still I've got loads to say, but I'm not going to say anymore because I'll go on all day. But what I'd like to do, if it's all right, is I'd like us to pray. I'd like us to just say where we are, close our eyes, put one hand on our stomach and put one hand out, okay? And we're just going to ask the Lord. Oh, before we do that, God, I have to share something else. Sorry. It's <laughs> one more thing. When we, when we used to meet in the old school, okay, across the road, I had, I saw, I don't know if it was a vision or if I was asleep or awake, but I saw a row of angels standing at the, at the base of the stage. And they were huge. They were huge. So tall. Big. And they were all white, white robes. And then I realised, I was kind of hovering up where that... <laughs> I was in the congregation. I was looking down from up there. It's like God was holding me up there, showing me. And, um, and I was looking down, and I thought, oh, wow, row of angels. And I thought, suddenly I realized they had things. They were holding things. And they brought things for people. And they were just standing there waiting. And then I said to the Lord, why are they not giving it out? Why, are they not, why aren't people getting it? And he said, they won't receive it. They won't receive it, okay? And I can only think it's to do with thinking, okay? You have to accept a gift. If I try to give you something, you can either say yes or no to it. I can't make you give it, and God won't make you take anything. He won't make you come up here and give a message. He won't make you go out and preach the gospel. He won't make you lay hands on the sick. He won't make you give your life to him. He won't make you do anything, the devil will make you do things. God won't. God gives it to you and says, here, take it. Everything I have is yours. Everything he has is yours. The prodigal son that never left. He didn't realize it. Everything I have is yours. So he wants to give you things. He wants to give people gifts. He wants to, he wants to give people gifts. There are gifts that God wants to give. And people are not taking them. And I've lost the scripture now. 
But where Paul talks about God giving gifts, the spiritual gifts, like the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, he says God has given it to every man. Everyone has a gift. Every man. If you look at that scripture, it's talking about everyone in the congregation has a spiritual gift. If you're not moving in any of the spiritual gifts, it's because you're not accepting it. Because you're saying, that's just not me. God hasn't given me. He has. He wants you to do it. There are, there's things that we don't move in. We hardly ever get a word of, of uh, tongues interpreted. I, I think I've heard it happen once in this church. I think it was Anna, or, Anna and Carl. One of them spoke out in tongues and the other one interpreted. And that's the only time I've ever heard it. It was in this school. It was a long time ago. But that we should have. Because there should be people in here that have got that. You know, I haven't got it. But you might have it. <laughs> okay, a word of knowledge. Something. We've all got the ability to do it because you all have Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit in you. All of us. All of us have got it. So, yeah, let's pray. Let's one hand on the stomach. And one hand out to the Lord. And then close our eyes so we're not put off by anything around us. And I'm just going to pray. Pray that Lord comes and gives people. Oh, Father God, give us like soft hearts. Give us soft hearts toward you. Give us soft hearts, Lord. Give us a heart that will accept what you have, Lord. May we be like Mary and say, do to me. Do it to me. Do it to me as you want. Let it be to me as you have said. Let it be to me, as you have said, Mary said. Let us have her heart, Lord, a heart that is open to anything that you want to do, anything, however wild it may seem. In Jesus' name, Father God, Holy Spirit, come now. Come now and release, Lord, the things that you have, that you have for people. Release the things that you have for people. In Jesus' name, Lord, Holy Spirit, blow through this place. Blow through this place, Lord. Give to the people. Give to your children. Your children. Abba, Father, give to your children all the things that you want them to have. The things that you want to bless them with, Lord. Because you just want to bless. You want to bless and bless and bless. In Jesus' name, Father God, may we receive everything. Everything that you have for us. Everything. I've got some handouts here, okay, that are declarations. I've got about 20 of them. So if you want one,